My name is Jesse, and I work with small businesses in the government marketplace. You're listening to FedBiz5, where you get informed, get connected, and get results on everything government contracting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of FedBiz5. Today, we are going to discuss the steps that a small business must complete when determining if they should prepare a bid on a government opportunity that meets their core competencies. Senior Contracting Specialist Frank Krebs is here to discuss. Hi, Frank. Hey, good afternoon, Jesse. So let's just jump right in here. What are the first steps in this process? Okay, Jesse, first of all, let's make sure folks don't get ahead of themselves. So by this, I mean, do not start developing any documents, preparing pricing, researching suppliers until you have thoroughly and completely read the government's statement of work and the request for proposal or request for quote. The government places many restrictions and requirements on potential vendors when they are soliciting bids. This is especially true with the federal government. So here are a few items to pay attention to when you're doing your initial read or review. First, is the contract being solicited as a set-aside contract? If the solicitation is published in SAM.gov, the government will identify any set-aside requirement as part of their overview information. And the contracting officer typically places the specific set-aside requirements in the contract description. So look for this and make an initial determination if your firm is qualified to bid the solicitation or not. Now, when reviewing the total document, the statement of work, and all attachments, be on the lookout for any other special government requirements or licensing that is identified and determine if your firm meets those requirements. Also, ascertain if there is a pre-bid conference or site visit and check to see if participation is mandatory prior to submitting a bid. If there is a pre-bid conference or site visit, can you attend? Can you have someone from your organization attend? Because if not, you will most likely not want to bid, as important information is typically presented at these meetings and site visits, and it's also your final opportunity to meet the contracting officer and any other key government players that might be in attendance if you've not already been introduced to these folks. Excellent advice, Frank. Appreciate that. So when I have looked at RFPs in the past, it seems that most of them have sections identified by letters. Are any of these sections more important or do any require special attention? Well, yes. The most critical sections of a federal government RFP that you want to initially focus your attention on are sections B as in Bravo, C as in Charlie, L as in Lima, and M as in Merit. Section B is the supplies or services and price cost section. This provides information on the required deliverables of the contract and how the government intends to compensate you for your work. It also includes a comprehensive list of all billable items or contract line item numbers. This is known in government contracting as CLIN. Now, the CLINs include all supplies, labor, and other billable items. This section will stipulate the pricing structure for the award, as there are many contract pricing structures that you must understand, such as fixed price contract and cost reimbursement contract. A fixed price contract is the pricing structure where the stated expense and fees included in your proposal are fixed and not subject to change. 
Whereas a cost reimbursement contract is where the contractor bears all costs first and then bills these costs plus any applicable fees for reimbursement. Now, Section C is the Description, Specifications, and Statement of Work section. This must be reviewed thoroughly to determine if your firm can provide the services or products as required within the necessary time frame. Can you meet all of these requirements? Section L is the instructions, conditions, and notices to offers. This is where the government dictates the contract type, the period of performance, and their specific instructions on how they want you to construct your bid, from the document's formatting to the organization of all required materials. Additionally, this section will also include other applicable conditions, licensing, and federal policies that must be followed and adhered to. Finally, Section M discusses evaluation factors for award. This section identifies how the government will evaluate proposals received, the weight that each section or proposal requirement will receive, and items that can make a proposal be deemed unacceptable. Reviewing this section is critical while you're preparing your response. Uh, So if a potential bidder does not find any roadblocks at this point, Should they prepare a bid, or are there other considerations to be reviewed? Good question. There definitely are other considerations. First, does your firm have the time and the necessary resources to prepare a bid? So if you believe there's enough time to develop the required information for the bid, you must then determine if your firm has the resources. And by that, I mean the staffing and the expertise to complete the bid and address everything that is required. Now, some simpler proposals can be handled by one or two competent individuals, while other proposals will require a team of eight, ten, even more to develop designs, to secure facilities, to identify key personnel, to build staffing plans, while simultaneously developing a pricing model. Additionally, you must decide if your firm will need subcontractor support in order to address specific contract requirements or to supplement your firm's personnel. When determining if a subcontractor should be utilized, always answer the following question before making the decision to proceed to bid. Will adding a subcontractor significantly strengthen our proposal and therefore our chances of winning? And if so, who is that subcontractor? Excellent. I'm sure that your insight will prove extremely helpful to any small business looking to bid on a government contract. Um, Before we get out of here, do you have any final thoughts or recommendations for our audience? Yes, Jesse, I do. The final piece of the process needs to be addressed is one that ownership or the company's executive staff must complete. The marketing and business development teams can make early determinations for the most part, but now it comes the decision that falls solely on ownership's lap. Will winning this contract jeopardize any of our existing contracts or customers by having to pull staff for this new award or redirect equipment or other resources? And if so, can we develop a plan that minimizes any impact and secures the financial well-being and corporate integrity or reputation of the firm? You never want to spread your company too thin, because when you do, quality and timeliness will suffer, and you cannot afford that these days. Remember, you do not have to bid every solicitation that you review. 
Be selective, start small, and work your way to larger, more complex options. And never put your reputation or corporate financial well-being in peril to secure a single contract award. Frank, I couldn't agree with you more, um, but that's going to have to wrap it up for this episode. I'm Sounds sure there's good. a lot of information that, that our audience can take from this. So we appreciate it. Okay, Jess. All right, man. Have a good day, sir. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. This concludes this week's episode of FedBiz 5, where you get informed, get connected, and get results. Today's podcast is sponsored by FedBiz Access, government contracting made simple. Visit them at fedbizaccess.com or contact them at 888-299-4498.